0: Well, hello. I'm Lainey, also known as Electro Girl, and I'm an advocate for empowering people to get back in the driver's seat of their diagnosis. See, I was diagnosed with epilepsy 30 years ago and basically was never satisfied with hearing from a doctor that pharmaceuticals would be the only approach to controlling my seizures. I just wasn't going to take it. Out of my way, mortal. So, I committed many, many years to researching and finding an answer outside of the Western medicine approach to find a more holistic approach in managing and treating my epilepsy and the seizures. The Love Your Diagnosis podcast is a show about exactly that. Each week, we will be looking into the life of someone who has been diagnosed with a condition or illness and has succeeded in managing their diagnosis both in and outside of Western medicine. Basically, what put them back in the driver's seat of their diagnosis. So hang around with me while we explore living in and outside the medical square when it comes to loving your diagnosis. Well, hello. So today's uh, episode features an amazing woman who has basically, she is an integrative counsellor and coach with a lifetime of experience facilitating individuals and groups in physical and emotional wellness. So she works with foundational elements of nutrition, light, flow, movement and rhythm to address imbalances in physical, mental, emotional, environment. And spiritual health. Holly developed a, like a post-viral chronic fatigue, uh, which is very different, or a little bit different, to just your normal chronic fatigue. And for seven years after she contracted a virus, she her life just became a completely different. She didn't have energy, and she didn't she couldn't function properly, and all you know, and she was fatigued, and. Yeah, basically had to quit her job and all that sort of stuff. So, because she came from a bit of a hippie background, she prides herself on not using the same, in inverted commas, cookie-cutter approach as everyone else. She's always been on the edge of, and she's never really fitted into the mainstream and doesn't really understand why anyone would want to. Today is just to talk about how she approached the things that she did to kick it to the curb using... Things such as electron and micro- mitochondria therapy, and basically switching off her lighting, switching off the Wi Fi, walking bare feet. It sounds woo woo, but it actually works. And she has, you know, she has dedicated her life to assisting others to just raise their vibrations with their illnesses, um, particularly because she's got uh, experience with chronic fatigue, but there's other things as well. So let's go deep into how Holly, the background of what the post-viral chronic fatigue was all about, and how she turned it around to suit herself and help be able to help so many others. Welcome to another, another amazing uh, podcast um, for Love Your Diagnosis. We've got an Aussie on. Oh, there's been so many Americans. Bless you all. Bless you all. But we've got an Aussie on today, Holly Baker Boljevac. Thank you, Lainey. (laughs) You got in touch with me because uh, basically I put a little ad out saying this is what I do, and something in your mind jumped out and went, "Yep, I think I'd be good for that." What What was it when you saw the you know the ad of what I'm podcasting about? What jumped out at you?
1: Yeah, probably that wellness journey of having diagnoses that uh, maybe the mainstream paradigm can't help with and so then finding my own way through that going from realistic to stronger than ever before.
0: Okay which is great which is kind of why we're going to start at the very beginnings. What have you been diagnosed with? How long ago and can you give kind of a brief description of if it's still affecting your life at the moment?
1: So 2008 eight or nine, I went into hospital with a very strange virus that the hospital couldn't work out what was wrong, but I kept being put into like into the ICU with super high temperatures and all sorts of pains and weird things going on. They tested for all the sort of typical things they would think about, and after about a week of this going in and out of hospital and temperature spiking, they sent me home and said, you're not dying, you'll be right, it's just some random virus, don't worry. Uh, And then that was the beginning of what they then will eventually adopt a diagnosis as
0: viral chronic fatigue, you know, virally induced chronic fatigue. But they didn't know what virus it was at the time.
1: Never. And still don't. I've never actually had a diagnosis of what the virus was, but the chronic fatigue afterwards was from the virus. All
0: right. So what, what tests did they run to kind of come to the diagnosis that it was a, it was a virus?
1: Mm, They did heaps of blood tests. Um, they put me under ultrasounds and x-rays and things like that. They just kept saying it's a virus, it's it's typical viral behaviour, I think especially because of the fever and the aches and pains. But they didn't have like they would have done the swabs and the by the time they let me out of hospital they still had the tests in the research facility and they were still like looking at all the lab results. But when it came back to my GP, they said, no, we don't know what it is, but it's some virus. So basically they said, there's so many viruses in the world, we don't have a name for
0: this one, but it's what you've got. So firstly, how did it make you feel at the time?
1: Yeah, rubbish. It was just like, okay, so now I don't even, like these are the people that are supposed to tell me what's going on and I don't even have an answer. So what am I supposed
0: to do? And what were the symptoms that you, you left the hospital with and And did they give you treatment for those symptoms at the time?
1: So my temperature was still high, but not
0: like you know scarily high. So that stayed around for a good
1: few weeks. Uh, I was fatigued. Like my body just, I couldn't walk to the toilet from my lounge room sort of thing. And um, that sort of viral rash that a lot of people experience in different viruses. So lots of skin rash um, and still aches and pains.
0: And because generally the rule of thumb is you can't give antibiotics, or a virus, you can give antibiotics for the um, symptoms of other, other things that come about from a virus, did they give you any treatment for any of those symptoms at the time?
1: Yeah, so when I was in the ICU, there was um, intravenous antibiotics and pain relief. I think for a couple of days there was morphine. I don't really even know what happened in the hospital, to be honest, because I was that out of it. But then coming home, I'm pretty sure I was still on an antibiotic for at least a week or two. And then um, pain relief, like just ongoing, if I wanted to go back and get more pain relief, I could. But I tried to get off that as quickly as possible and not have to rely on it.
0: Okay, so we're going to take a little bit back. Now, pre-2008, 2009, what was your lifestyle like? Were Were you in the wellness industry? Did you pay much attention to what your health was? Did you... You know, were you, were you aware of supplements and, you know, like what, what was your life actually looking like before this?
1: Yeah. So my childhood, I say I was raised by hippies. My mum and all her friends were natural health people, massage people, reiki people, supplement people, naturopaths, um, organic food. We were big into the organic food scene. So by the time I left school, I had a job in an organic food shop. That was my main supplementation, right? My nutrition was organic food. I was vegetarian for a bit of that in those kind of formative years but by the time I had children, which was 2003, 2004, I'd gone off vegetarianism, but I was still very much like organic food, you know, all the natural health things, osteopaths, chiropractors, all that stuff. I grew up doing martial arts, so I'd been super fit as a young person. Once I became an adult, I sort of just let that go for a bit and had children and things, but then started going back to the gym. And that's about when I started to not feel okay. So I think there was like hormonal changes after having babies. I was still pretty young. Like I was in my early 20s having both my kids. But I think that possibly was one thing that affected me, like just the, just the change of hormones and change of lifestyle so going from like, you know, a little bit of a teenage, early 20s wildlife, you know, like going out of life. Uh, but I certainly wouldn't say I was super unhealthy. I, I was still eating organic food and, you know, staying away from drugs
0: and all that stuff. So I guess when you're when it comes to antibiotics and, and sounding like uh, you're because you came from a hippie background, what was the, the the term antibiotics to you?
1: Yeah, I basically never had anything like I didn't take Panadol's. I yeah, like I, I wasn't anti antibiotics. I certainly didn't know what I know now about gut health, so I wouldn't have been thinking like that. But I just was it, it just wasn't ever a thing. Like I never needed medication, so I never went anywhere near it.
0: So then you're in the hospital and when, you're, when you've been handed all these pain relief and all these like pharmaceuticals to take, how did that make you feel? Because that, that in a sense is you kind of feel a little bit powerless when it comes to stuff like this. And you do look to the professionals in inverted commas. Were you ever hesitant to take it or did you think, fuck it, I'm just going to do what they say for now and, and I'll, I'll deal with it later?
1: I think I was in that I'm just going to do what they say because I, this is way outside of my area of expertise. So do it, but do it for as little amount of time as possible. You know, like as soon as I start to feel better, I just stop doing that and, and just go back to daily life. But that was then a course of like seven years of doing that, <laughs> like going, okay, I'm feeling all right, I'll be fine, but then having another crash. and That, that was the thing after that was just up and down, up and down.
0: Okay. So that's interesting. So for seven years, was it every time you came off the medication, you would crash?
1: No, probably not. I don't think I really went back on medication that much, but more like as I started to feel strong, like, okay, I'll go back to the gym. I'm feeling strong enough. And it would only be a few weeks before I would just crash again. So it could be, it could be a cold that a cold that would put anyone else just to bed for a day was dropping me for two weeks or, um, or I, I pulled a lot of muscles strangely that I'd never done before. You know, i lean over to pick something up on my back would go and so then I'd go and get medication for the painkiller and so soon realized that that was also not working for me because then I would just you know feel comfortable for a little bit with the
0: painkillers and then
1: back to normal and just hurt something else after that.
0: Wow and did you find was it changing your personality a bit because you're starting to just be exhausted all the time?
1: Oh, for sure. I couldn't, like I couldn't parent. There was weeks where I just couldn't do anything. My husband did all the things. Couldn't work, obviously. And yeah, and I was, I'm sure everyone would say I was pretty irritable at that time. I wasn't the friendly self that I am now.
0: Wow. Okay, great. I can't wait to unpack this story a little bit more. Was there a turning point for you where you just went, okay, I've got to get off this roller coaster? Or was it just gradually you just started? Reading up things like, yeah, what was that turning point for you where you went, This is now nah, there's got to be something going on here that is not being shown by the professionals?
1: Yeah, a bit of the answer is a bit of both. So, I was starting because, like I said, I was always in the natural health kind of mindset, so I was starting to look at things like um diet and nutrition. I was doing the GAPS diet with my kids, so I was learning a lot more about gut health. That was probably when gut health sort of hit the scene big time, you know, in terms of people talking about it more. And so that was happening, but then what happened was I got a burn on my leg from a hot water bottle, which just shouldn't have been a big deal, but went, turned into this major infection, and based on advice that I'd got from the GP. So at that point I went through three different GPs, lots of different antibiotics, um, a debridement on my leg, which was just horrific. Um, so that's where they scrape away everything and uh, and no preparation from any of any of those doctors never gave me any prep. So I was like, yeah, we're going to de-bribe. I didn't know what that meant. I went in, next thing I came, I drove myself home and went into shock and my husband came home and found me on the couch. So that was the point. <laughs> that day <laughs> was the final point where I was like, okay, everything they're telling me goes against what I've already been learning and what I do believe is right and what I see benefits from. And here I am now in a worse position than I was before because I listened again. So that's it. So that was like, I quit doctors, that's it, I'm done. And I honestly have never gone to a doctor
0: since then. That's a long time. I mean, it's not to say that you'll never go again. It's just that for this particular thing, yeah, you've, you've decided to do it uh, on your own, which um, a lot of people end up doing once they have years and years of unsuccessful, you know, just, just feeling sort of a bit, a bit fucked by the system, really. So what was the first thing you did uh, when you made that decision? Well, I think I just focused on gut health then because I'd been on, on those
1: antibiotics that really messed me up. Um, I felt a lot less, like my immunity went down again. So I'd sort of been going up and down so much, but the antibiotics definitely had a big kick. Well, I mean, it could have been the antibiotics, it could have just been the fact that I was infected too, right? So there was a big drop in immunity. So I started really focusing on gut health and all herbal nutrition and herbal medicine, you know, so looking at what can I use for an infection that isn't an antibiotic, that sort of thing, just things like honey and garlic and that sort of stuff. But then I I think I was just listening to a lot of podcasts and somewhere along the way I came across um, a guy who probably some of your listeners have heard of called Jack Cruz. And that was a huge, that was like one of his very early podcasts that he was featured on with Ben Greenfield and it changed everything instantly because now there was a guy not just talking about food and supplements and natural health but this bigger perspective of like how the world actually works like how molecules work and how circadian rhythms work and that was my like major turning point and I just immersed into that big time.
0: So what what were some of the the things on a molecular level that you're talking about that was being said?
1: Yeah so talking about things like Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and you know and I was sort of like oh, come on, this all sounds a bit too hippie. And same thing, like, I've grown up in this hippie culture. I'm kind of giving up on that as well because it just feels like nothing works at all. So I just, I was—I think I was at the point where I thought, well, I'll just try it. So we just started turning the Wi-Fi off at night time um, and started to note, notice the difference, started turning the lights off earlier. We, we ended up going fully to candles. We don't have any lights in our house at all, like electric lights. Um, so candles and using a red light at night time, like a red head torch, if you have to go outside or something. And things like that shaped things, like it changed so
0: quickly from there. Do you wear blue blockers as well or you haven't gone that far?
1: Yeah, I, I have used blue blockers. Certainly, um, so you can see like I've got yellow lights in my office if I have to put lights on here. But when I've had other spaces, I've definitely used yellow lights. I think in, in back then, that was even before blue blockers were cool. So we just had like the safety glasses that you can get from bunnies, you know like that was our they were our blue blockers and I made all my kids wear them and everyone thought it was weird but it really definitely made a difference for us the light stuff.
0: So what are what are the differences because that's really important for people to understand especially with turning the wi-fi off at night what what were some of the differences that you uh, in regards to this the the viral the post-viral chronic fatigue?
1: No one of the things I was struggling with was uh, sleep like I was going to bed sleeping for an hour, waking up for two hours, sleeping for an hour. It was just like, but it wasn't even always the same. It was just chaotic. So I wasn't getting enough sleep, but I also couldn't hold sleep down. Like it just wasn't staying regular. Uh, And sometimes I could be awake for three or four hours in the middle of the night. So that was one of the first things that changed. I was getting lengthier uh, amounts of sleep. And I was able to go to sleep quicker when I got to bed. That was a massive thing, which I think is to do with the lights, especially. So the less bright lights that we see. More melatonin we can produce in our body, and then you know at that time of night, and then our body can know that it's time to go to sleep and be able to sleep. So that was a huge difference. I think the Wi-Fi. I think I'm just particularly sensitive to extra input in the house or wherever I am. And probably around the same time, I I was seeing an osteopath who was very helpful. More so. I mean, his sessions were helpful, but the conversations we would have were helpful, and so I remember one time I was telling him that I was going on these dog walks every day, and he said, well, are you barefoot? And I just thought, oh, my gosh, why am I not barefoot? Of course I should be barefoot. Uh, You know, just for what I know about human movement, it makes sense to be barefoot, and also, like, if I'm talking about Wi-Fi and frequencies on the earth, then I want to try to get connected to that as best as I can with my body too, right? So that was another big changer." I think I and that's when I started to get more energy. So was it that I had more sleep or was it that I had more energy? I don't know, but it worked.
0: Yeah, so that all seems like a, a really natural natural kind of option like for some they would be like how could it be that easy? You've just been dealing with this thing for 7 years and then all of a sudden you just do that and that helps. Yeah, what would you say to people like that 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 question that
1: well, it's true. <laughs> it's true, but I, I think alongside that, we also moved to our property at the time that didn't have electricity. Like we, we actively chose to move to a property that had, you know, could could build that into our lifestyle. So there was not electricity. Uh, there wasn't lights. Like I said, so we had to use candles. We were using natural wood fire, so we we're getting the infrared from that every night. Certain things that we did, which made it easier to live that lifestyle but also moved us away from what makes it difficult to live that lifestyle. So we weren't in a suburb. We weren't surrounded by another 15 apartment blocks that also have Wi-Fi. You know, I think so was it just that I removed Wi-Fi and went outside or was it that I was completely immersed in nature? You know, we lived in a yurt.
0: Oh, my God, you really are a hippie.
1: That was just a a wooden floor and there was no reception. So it was was difficult reception. I'm a proper hippie. So then I I moved to another property that's even more so like that, right? And now we have running water that we drink the direct Creek from, and it's all very green and, yeah, next level
0: of that. (laughs) Oh, my God. That sounds amazing. So different to where I am. But, um, okay, that's fantastic. Yeah. So do you you feel that you're – and I'll use the word cured, do you feel that you're cured from this post-viral fatigue?
1: I do. And the reason I do is because, uh, so basically all those up and down symptoms stopped about a year after I started doing that, what I'd call like a mitochondrial protocol. Uh, And then I started writing about it because people were asking me, how did you get better and blah, blah, blah. So I wrote a little book about all the steps. But just, so that was, that would have been, like 2017, I think I put a book out, but a few weeks ago now, I've just participated in a 30 hour, they called it a special forces challenge. It was a fundraiser for a local charity group and it was literally 30 hours of trekking, sleeping in the rain, uh, carrying heavy things, being shouted at by ex army guys. Like it was, it was really hard work, (laughs) physically hard, emotionally hard, massive. And Two days later, I was back at work. I haven't had any flops or falls since then, um, and that was probably three or four weeks ago now. So that, that shows me that I'm cured. You know, I haven't had to go to a doctor. I, haven't, I don't go and get regular sessions on my body anymore. Like, I just work on it myself. You know, there's more than just those three things we talked about in terms of looking after yeah. myself, but it's
0: all within the same realm of it. So you wrote a book. You wrote a book. Is it published on, can people get it?
1: I just published it myself and at the moment it's out of print. So um, the plan is for it to become a, like more like a course that people can access and it's just 52 steps. So it's super simple stuff.
0: 52 steps to what?
1: Uh, so, oh, so the title is called Self-Crafted Wellness, but it's mm-hmm. 52 action steps that you can take to add something into your life that makes you feel better and builds up that, you know, immunity, strength, confidence, all of those things. Um, I really was, so I originally started out trying to write like the science because it was before all of these things were popular. It was before people were talking about cold baths and blue blockers and, you know, barefoot shoes. All those things were not a thing at that time. Um, So I wanted to write like the science book and then my friends just kept saying, yeah, but I don't care about the science, just tell me what to do. Like tell me what you did. So then I thought, okay, if I write the steps, and the steps are positive, so it's not like, don't eat sugar. It says like, eat green food, you know. So trying to make make it really positive and easy things that people can do. None of it is biohacks either, right? It's things that you can get for free from nature or from the people or animals around you.
0: Would you say that you love your diag? Well, it's not your diagnosis anymore, but do you say would Would you say that you loved it at the time because it taught you? something and what did it teach you
1: You could probably say that i appreciate it now right like because if i hadn't i think having grown up in that natural health world and thinking that that's the answer to everything and then having to find another answer made me aware of so much more like all these things we've just talked about that i wouldn't have why would i have gone seeking that if i hadn't been that sick you know if i hadn't been that unwell and with every time i tried to get better just being told oh you've just got chronic viral fatigue go to bed was never helpful. That <laughs> didn't make me better. So I had to seek it out. And now I know so much more and I can share that and, you know, and it's daily it's stuff I can use daily in my practice. Whereas, you know, maybe mixing up Australian bushflowers or having a massage is not necessarily a daily practice thing that is easy to share with other people.
0: And the other look, the other thing that's quite poignant at the moment is are you kind of reaching out to people that have been vaccinated with what you know because you hear a lot of stories about people that have had the rona and they ha- are very fatigued, very, very fatigued through it. So have you kind of jumped onto that that group of people um, and are uh, uh, helping them through that? Or do you think it's it, because, you know, COVID's a virus, it's no different to any other virus? Um, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, I don't know but that's not what this podcast is about. But the thing is that if you've su- survived post-viral chronic fatigue, which a lot of people seem to be having, yeah, uh, have you? Re- yeah, are they finding you? Are these people able to contact you?
1: When that virus became a thing in our sort of awareness, I looked at everything I could find about it and I thought, decided I've been here, I've done this, I know how to get through it. And so I've just stuck to that plan. So I'm not vaccinated. And I've made sure that I could just keep my, you know, keep my supplementation up, keep my sunshine up, keep my outside up, keep my lights down. All those things that I'd already worked out were the best things for my immune system. I've just stuck to that. So far it's worked. Um, And with my one-on-one people that I see in therapy, I'm constantly giving them these kind of strategies, you know, whether or not they've been backstored that they've had COVID or anything, like it's still a useful strategy. So Uh, it certainly can't hurt you to use them, right? (laughs) Like if you're tired, why not get more energy through electrons, which is actually what we're doing with all these kind of little ideas that I've got. Um, So, yeah, people can totally reach out around that because I I have a lot to say about it. But, of course, like all of us, I'm very careful about the words that I use to say it.
0: (laughs) That's right, especially in something like this. So I'll put a link up in the podcast notes where people can find you to learn more about it, yes, because we don't want to claim anything. But do want to share the fact that you've had success in this because it's a personal story outside of all claims and everything like that. It's a success story that you've experienced. Would you have any words of wisdom or some final, um, I don't know, advice or tips to someone that's going through what you did?
1: Yeah, get outside. That's the first step. Just get outside as much as you can. Get outside in every possible time of day and night. Don't just do it every day at 1230 do it at all the different spectrums of light that we can get access to. And then as you keep doing that, find more and more ways to interact with the outside, whether that's taking the shoes off or touching trees or eating the food that comes out of the ground, eating weeds that are around you. Just get outside.
0: Well, how do you know which weeds to eat? I love go cola. I don't know if you've got that growing around where you do. I fucking love that. It's a weed. Yeah, right. Love it. I just want it. Yeah, I just munch it like I'm a rabbit when I see it. But yeah, hard to know which weeds. Anyway, if you're interested in eating rogue weeds, um, there's plenty of books on it. And also, can I do a plug on that one, lady Go for it. So one of, one of my many jobs is I have a conference called the
1: Wise Women Gathering that we have every year. And it is a natural health and holistic healing conference. And we have lots of different workshops that usually focus on things like herbal wisdom and yeah, weed foraging and stuff like that. So it's for women only, but everyone in australia can access
0: that well thank you so much for sharing that story there's some lots of pearls of wisdom in that and i'm really glad you uh, reached out because um, it's a great little story of success and empowerment and all that sort of stuff and that's kind of what the aim of the podcast is, is to get people back in the driver's seat
1: Yeah, that's that other thing that people need to remember that it is your body and you actually do know what's best and if it feels like it's going to be best just try it like i just started out trying things and then followed that you're allowed to do that you have permission from your own body to do that
0: well thanks so much holly have a fabulous day thank you bye bye If you would like to donate to the running of this podcast and you can afford a few little bucks a month or whatever it is that you can afford to keep the show going without ads please hit this paypal button and if you've got a few loose coins that would really mean a lot to me and other people who are listening to this podcast and getting seeds of inspiration also leave a review on apple Podcasts because that just means more people will know about it If you've got a story that you want to share, that you've had success with, and that you've researched and found some some joy and gold in your own diagnosis, please hit me up. I'm always happy to share anyone's story. The main takeaway message in these podcasts is get second opinions, find a doctor that you really resonate with, and research the shit out of what you're going on. Get back in the driver's seat of your health, everyone. You do not need to take one person's opinion about the rest of your life and how to live it. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. I'm Lainey Godiva.